If I was to spend some time with you, I would find out quickly what you like to talk about. It might be the husband. No, it's probably not. Um, might be uh, your kids. Like if you got kids, you're probably going to talk about your kids. You might you might talk about your job. You might talk about your ex or your you know something. You're gonna, it won't take me very long to find out what you're interested in. And I often thought, I wonder what God would like. What is God interested in? Like if I spent any amount of time with God, what would He talk about? And that's pretty cool because He does give us a clue into that. Uh, he would talk about His Son. I think he'd talk about his boy. There'd be no doubt about it. He might even talk about you, by the way, um, which might be a, a problem or things, but he might give instructions or whatever. But he, he, here's what I do know. He would spend some time, after he's talked about his boy, he would talk about money. And the reason I know that is that there's over 2,000 verses in the Bible talking about money. We kicked off a message series last weekend about money and you know how we handle it and deal with it. And so I'm shocked that you're here today, by the way. Like if you were here last week, you're like, oh, is he going to do that? Yeah, we're going to talk about it uh, uh, now three more times. And so hang with us in here. But we're, we looked at uh, five verses last weekend out of the 2,000, by the way, because if I, you wouldn't want me doing that, right? So we're going to deal with five. Uh, today as well. So we'll hit the top 10 verses when it comes to taking a look at money, at least in my opinion, uh, those kind of things. And, I get, and since I'm talking, I, I picked those out. So, right. so here we go. Why does God care so much about money that he would talk about it all the time? Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, Jesus clues us in on why God cares about this. No one can sir now let me just pause here so sometimes like people like uh what does the greek word mean there in, when it says no one no one it's not difficult like is he talking about everybody yeah it's like he doesn't say some of us can figure this out he says no one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other you will be devoted to one and despise the other now, this is this messes up a lot of Christians. It really, really does. This is this little tag on the end here bothers us. You cannot serve God and and be enslaved to money. Now, some of us are trying to right. We're going to prove God wrong. Like I can prove God wrong. I can love money and God at the same time. Pretty sure. Right, so you're out to set God. You know you're you're going to prove Him wrong. Right, you're going to bring some evidence before God. Look, God, I love you and I love money at the same time. It's not a big deal. Well, good luck with that. The word master here. So he says, no one can serve two masters. So he's we we don't really get that anymore in the United States. We don't have slaves. We used to. We don't. Right, and uh, in the first century. They totally understood this verse when he's talking about being like a slave. You can, like if you're a slave, you can't have one guy telling you something and have another person telling you something. Uh, that's impossible. Like, am I supposed to do this or am I supposed to do that? Right? And we kind of get that because we don't want two bosses. We just want one. Like, we don't even want one really. But but we we don't need multiple voices telling us what to do. Well, I thought I'm supposed to do this. Yeah, but he, she's telling me this. Like, I know, but like. 
who's my boss? And so that's always a, an important concept to figure out in an organization, who's my boss? Do I want one? Yeah, well, that's way better than 10, right, or five. And then we're trying to figure that out. So here he's, Jesus clues us in right away. No one can serve two masters. Can't do it. In the ancient world, a slave had no rights. They owned no property. In fact, their time wasn't their own. Here in America, like we work 40 hours, right? Uh, what do we say when we're done at the end of the day? Um, this is my time now. This is my time. At, 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 on the weekend, was, this is my time. It's not my employer's time, right? It's not, I, 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 I clocked out. I'm done. You don't, right? You don't get to tell me what to do now. This is my time. A slave never, ever had that concept in their head. They didn't think, in fact, an owner never had that concept in their head. Your time is mine. In fact, a, a, a slave uh, they could be beaten, they could be killed. It, they were just property. They were just property. So the slave doesn't have any options. In fact, they didn't get to choose what job they liked. I mean, if they were good at a certain job, they probably got to do that. But that doesn't mean they get to like it. They didn't like, hey, I want to be a photographer. Hey, I want to be a public speaker. Hey, I want to... No, you, you're just going to do whatever the owner tells you to do, even right at that very moment. Right. In the real sense, uh, when when we're talking about being slaves to God, right? He's like he's my owner. Therefore, my, my, that that kind of change. Right? If, if this if this if we really believe this, then therefore my time is not my own. My money is not my own. A slave doesn't own anything. In fact, we just you just sang a really weird song. I, I'm surprised you even said it. Take my money. What? Who's doing that? Right? Take take my money. Take my silver and my gold. Don't you dare take my money, right? But for Christ followers, like whatever you need, right? It's not. This is mine. I'm I'm giving it to you. Jesus tells a story about a man who had some slaves, and and he says to them, he brings in three, maybe his top three. Hey, I, I'm going away on a business trip or vacation, something. He's going to be gone for a while. And he says to probably his best, I'm going to give you this amount of money. And it, the Bible calls it talent. So I'm going to give you five talents. A lot of uh, com- people, commentators say that that was probably up to around $300,000. 300, so he's, he said, I'm, I'm going away. You're in charge of a bunch of my money, Right. And so they're like, okay, cool. And then, it, and then there's another guy that comes in and says, like, hey, I'm going away. I want you to be in charge of these two talents. So it's a, still a lot of money. And then he brings in another guy and says, I'm gonna, you're in charge of one of the talent thing I have. And that's still a lot of money. So when he comes back, he calls in the five talent guy and says, hey, uh, now we tend to think talent doesn't have anything to do with his ability, right? It's like, uh, of, of like, hey, I'm super talented. No, it has to do with whether or not he, he can be responsible for this amount of money. So this guy takes $300,000 and he turns it into $600,000. So he doubles the money. What do you think the owner says? Well done, good, faithful, what? Servant. 
He doesn't say, hey, I'm giving you your freedom and a boatload of money as well. You did a good job. No, he just says, I'm going to give you some more money to be in charge of. But you don't get your freedom. You're my slave. You don't get any money of your own. That's my money. To the two-talent guy, he doubles it as well. But he doesn't say to the slave, "Uh, you're free now. Well done. No, he just says, here's some more. I want you to make me some more money. Now, the one-talent guy comes in and says, like, well, what do you guys like? I, I was nervous, and I didn't know what to do. This is a big deal for me, a responsibility, and I knew you were to be a tough guy. So I just put it in the ground and buried it, but I did bring it all back. And what did the owner say? You worthless slime ball. You knew me to be tough and difficult and hard, and you knew that I would want you to produce, and you still did nothing? Get out of here. And he, it probably ends up selling him. And we think that's somewhat harsh. But here's this slave owner, right? He makes these decisions. And we understand the reason I bring this up is that the money was not the servants. It wasn't. They were slaves. Now, he gives them more responsibility, but he didn't give them any more money. And when you view money, right, this paycheck is really not mine. It's my owner's money. What does my owner want to do with the money I just got for working the last two weeks? Second Corinthians chapter 9 clues us in. Remember this, a farmer who plants... Now, we know this is Nebraska, right? Like a farmer... Now, you might not be a farmer. You might be, but it's like you probably aren't. Uh, but you know some. And, or you might even have a garden, right? You have a garden. The Chihuahuas have uh, what we like to call a um, grocery store. So, <laughs> farmer's market, right? Okay. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. The one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a family at our, in Stonebridge, and they sell lettuce at the farmer's market uh, at Village Point. I didn't know this. A couple weeks ago, we went there. and was like, it is outstanding lettuce. And I'm like, why do you sell lettuce? He's like, nobody else. Everybody sells sweet corn. I'm like, you doing okay? He's like, we're doing great. We're selling lots of lettuce. How much lettuce do you have a week? And he says, I plant eight Hundred plants a week. Eight hundred plants a week. Now, why does he plant eight hundred? Why does he plant four hundred or three? He gets a larger harvest if he plants more plants. Right? It just makes sense. So here we go. You must each decide in your own heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure for God. Check this out. This this helps us understand God. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Oh, Now, see, I don't. You want to give me something? I'm okay with your attitude. Isn't it? Like, like, here you go. Like, really? See, like, yeah. Um, I, I don't care if you love me or not. If you give me stuff, I'm cool. Now, God's like... I still think he's okay with you giving, but he wants you eventually to really like it. To really like it. Because he looks on my heart. So here we go. God loves a cheerful person uh, when, when they give. And God will 
Again, typically we stop at that verse, but check this out. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to spoil your children. Thank you for following along. See, we, again, we tend to think that God's going to give me stuff and I'm going to have excess so that I can spoil my children. And we even say that, we're going to spoil them rotten. Well, that's a bad way to do parenting, by the way. Why does he give me all my needs and then a little excess? Check this out. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. And most of us who've been on the planet for a while think through those things. It's like, when I die, will anybody care after about 10 years? You're not, many of you might not be thinking that now, but those of us who are kind of getting down the road here have that desire to leave more than just, right? And my good deeds will be remembered. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer. Farmers get this. And then bread to eat in the same way he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way. Why? So that you can be generous. And when you take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. Amazing stuff. So that we can, why is there a little bit left over, right? Why should we have in our budgets, in our, right, there's a little bit left over? Because eventually, as Christ followers, it'll just be in our DNA to want to be generous. I don't, sometimes that happens quickly, but sometimes it takes a while. Because when I come, before I come to Jesus, my heart's pretty selfish. We might think of others and that kind of stuff. We might be generous in some ways, but usually the generosity is like, hey, I give you something, you give me something. Right? It's a political world. Hey, I scratch your back, you scratch my I'm just giving, hey, help me out. And our generosity is sometimes motivated by selfishness. The Christ follower, we're saying, hey, God's given me some excess here and a little bit left over because I made some good decisions with the money that he gave me and I'm going to be generous. It just becomes part of my DNA. How much should I give? How much, right? And that's he's like, oh, I hear about the tithe. And uh, that's true. The, the concept of giving 10% of our income and something like, how, like, do I tithe on the gross or the net? Well, if your income is gross, tithe, tithe on that. Like, yeah, my paycheck's a little gross right now. Okay. Just tithe, like, whatever, however you figure that out. I'm not going to, oh, we got to do four taxes or like, hey, you deal with this, right? And so here's this 10% thing that the Hebrews were doing. And it was a concept that they learned very early on that we would give first right off the top. When I get something, I'm going to give 10% of that to God. Now, some people are like, oh, right, like that's Old Testament. We're New Testament. So like, we don't have to. 
And okay. Um, now, now here, here, here's how I look at it. Jesus gave 10%. He was a good Jew. He wasn't going to give less than that, right? He wasn't gonna like, I don't have to because I'm God and be like given to me anyway, so. Right? You think about that, like, this is weird. I'm giving me 10%. Don't, do you ever think about that? Like, when Jesus prayed, was he praying to himself? Stuff, stuff us theologians think about. So here is Jesus giving 10%. And, and, and then he, he, he never says this to the guys. Hey, guys, when I die and come back, we don't have to do this anymore. Right? I'm ushering a new idea. No tithing. I'm going to have to die first, but... <laughs> I mean, there's salvation and no tithing. This is awesome. No, he never said, hey, we're, we're cutting this out of the deal. In fact, he elevates it even to a point where he says, you know what? Uh, we're just going to be generous people, and I don't want to limit you to the 10% thing because anybody can give 10%. And you can be grumpy and give 10%. So let's, let's not do that, right? So... When I give my money to God or his money back, he smiles and it pushes back against the materialistic world that I typically live in. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 1 says, Now regarding your question about the money being collected for God's people in Jerusalem, you should follow the same procedure I gave to the churches in Galatia. So the churches were trying to figure this out. On the first day of each week, you should put... uh, You should each put aside a portion of the money you have earned. Don't wait until I get there and then try to collect it all at once because you're not going to be able to pull off and meet all the needs that we need. So let's start setting aside every week when we get together a portion of the money that we earn. Now, he didn't say 10%, but, but uh, and that is like, that, I think that's like, wow, we're going to let the people decide? Why don't we just tell them 10%? Because it's not about a percentage thing. It's about a heart thing. And some of us might be able to do more, and some of us might be able to do less, but we're just going to be generous people the best we can. When I give my time, I'm honoring God, because my, the time I have is my most precious possession. When I give my talent, I'm honoring God, so that when I use my gifts and talents and abilities to, to advance the kingdom, I, I'm honoring Him. And when I give my money right, that I have earned, I'm honoring God, and God smiles. I truly want, I, I, I really truly believe that God wants his kids to be generous, just like you want your kids to be generous, right? You're, some of you parents are spending time prying toys out of your children's hands so they will share with their brothers and sisters and neighbor kid, right? Because you don't want a kid like, this is mine. How did they learn that? Where did that come from? This is mine. No, it's not. Yes, it is. This is mine. Share with your brother. All right. Right, I'll share my Tonka truck with him, and so we do our very best. Hey, we're going to share, right? We're going to share because that's a huge issue. God does not force me; He's not prying out the money out of my hands. It's a love thing, and one of the most loving things that we can do today is to give to God of the income we've received this past week. It's one of the most loving things we can do, and I would even say one of the most spiritual things we can do. In fact, today, you can take out your phone, even while I'm talking, and download our app, and you can give today. Now, why, do we, why would I tell you to do that? Because you don't probably carry cash or a check. 
you need a, some way to give. And we give online all the time. I, I do. My, in fact, my wife and I, we, we program it in. We got it set up. We do, you know, every other week. We get paid, right? Not every week, so we do it every other week, and we program that in. In most of my in most spiritual stuff, I don't get to program things, right? Uh, it's mostly like, hey, you should talk to that person or help that person or be kind to that person, and it's spur, spur of the moment. But when I know here's what my paycheck is going to be, I can just go in and punch in the numbers and like, am I at 10%? Yes, cool, I'm great. I'm, I'm hitting the zone I want to be at. All right. For Linda and I, we, we have been given 10% of our income since day one when we got married. And we were 21 years old, and she was a bank teller, and I was, I stocked shelves at the grocery store. And so I was making less than her. And, uh, but her mom and dad taught her tithing, and my mom and dad did too. And that started out when I had a paper route, and they pried that money out of my hands. Is you're going to give this, right? So I started. I, I bought. I was, this has never been a huge issue for me when I've had to decide. Hey, you know what? Uh, Linda and I uh, do that. And we we are very very uh, aware. Part of it was that here I am training for ministry, and people are going to give so that I can have a house and the income and that kind of stuff. And it would be weird for me to say, "Hey, you need to do this," but I don't have to because I don't have to. That's. I mean, that would be weird. So I want you to know, this is something that the Chitwood household does. And then when we have a major initiative where we want to raise money to build more stuff, we kick it up a notch. And we, over the last three times we've done this, so for nine years, we give uh, at 20% of our income. And that's a lot of money for us. And, and, and yet, um, and I'm not telling you just to brag. I'm just telling you it's possible I would not have said that's possible. But every, by the way, every time I watch somebody get baptized, I'm going, cha-ching, this is way better than anything else I could have done with my money. I mean, I'm just blown away this morning, like, yes! When's offering? When's offering? I want to invest in kingdom stuff. Not so that Mark gets glory, but that God's kingdom advances. This is awesome. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 3 says, If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. So this is an attitude check for us. A lot of giving can be political. Even in the church, I've had people say, Hey, I want to give a a bunch of money, and could you put my name on something, right? How much? Usually, (laughs) no, I mean... um, Quest Center Church. Okay, cool. That's great. Or, hey, I'm going to give a bunch of money and I need access to you all the time. Uh, And, you know, that gets political. And if I wanted to be a politician, I'd run for it. uh, But I'm not interested in doing that. Um, But here is God taking my, right? And so he says, uh, if I don't love, I gain nothing. Matthew 6, 21 says, wherever your treasure is there, your desire of your heart will also be. My guess is that most of this room would say, hey, I love God a lot. Not all of us are there yet. That's okay. But let me talk to those of you who uh, are in love with God. Um, this, 
I probably argued with people about this, like, nah, that can't be true, right? It's like, I love God a lot, but I, you know, but I'm not given anything. Um, falling in love with God because He first loved us is amazing, and we respond to His grace that way. But you need to know up front that eventually. Be hanging around God and hanging around Him and having Him direct my life will eventually affect your money, right? That you get. It just will. So it's in the brochure. You should know right away, like, hey, I'm giving my life to Jesus. And He's going to eventually say to you and to me, how are we doing on that generosity thing? Because you cannot love me and money. You can't do it, so let's work on this. And one of the ways I let him know that I'm serious about my faith is that I begin to give. I begin to give. And he's going to do that on my heart eventually, right? Eventually do that. And now if you're not in love with Jesus, again, you should know that right up front, that this is going to be a part of the equation, that when I find grace and faith in Christ, right, that eventually it's going to cause me to want to be generous. If you have never given out of love to Jesus, maybe a little bit, a little bit, and you've never sat down and planned this out, I think the best thing you can do today is to sit down and plan this out. And if you're single, it makes it easier. You don't have to ask anybody. You just sit there and like, here's my income. I'm going to plan this out. If you're married and your spouse is a believer, that helps so that you can get on the same page. But if your spouse is not a believer, this is going to be a more difficult dance for you to deal with. Um, but you're going to have to figure that out. Um, this is already going to take some. Uh, this is going to take some courage in your life. And uh, by the way, I, I, I want to I want to encourage you to do a very spiritual thing today. It's not singing. It's not reading the Bible. It's going home and getting on the computer and figuring this stuff out. That's the most spiritual thing you can do.